All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 6, Episode 10 of the Daily Faceoff Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Oddshark. I am your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, we've got Dylan D. Berthium, Michael Biebs Bondi. How's it going, D? Doing good, man. Can't complain. Uh, my fantasy hockey season actually might be peak early this year i'm on day six of my streak in the tim hortons hockey challenge so Ooh. if uh, barkov headman or shake theodore score tonight i get a week of free coffee so come on can't be You're going that. with 2d eh? i like it i mean yeah, not man. a bad call I, I mean tim hortons hockey challenge not sponsoring the podcast yet but they are sponsoring my morning route so I also had Barkov, so all three of us have Barkov, but Brock also had Barkov, Hedman, and Theodore in his Tim Hortons challenge. Let's go, D. For those of you that don't know, who who don't live in Canada, Tim Hortons is doing this awesome thing right now. We'll talk about it. Whoever's going to score at night, and you win points, and you win stuff with it. So basically, D's on fire right now. Six straight games. It's like a fantastic version of uh, Roll Up the Rim. It's great. Yeah. It's better. Their- yeah, it's so much better than Roll Up the Rim. It's so funny though, because like some nights you go on there and like it's you can't just pick any single player, right? It's like a list of players you can pick from, and yeah. some uh, sometimes like 
some of the like the lists are just horrible players like all fourth liners and, and like defensemen you're like dude like literally yeah. none of these guys are gonna score yeah like, see normally okay. what's been happening and basically the reason that i've even come close to this uh the seven day streak is jeff petrie keeps getting tossed into that garbage pile they just don't know about jeff petrie i guess so uh <laughs> yeah he's uh he's been saving me both uh, on my fantasy team and uh you know, help me rack up some uh, breakfast sandwiches and, and coffee. So um, big <laughs> shout out to Jeff Petrie. <laughs> yeah. My one buddy, uh, his, his friend was like sending him messages every day. Like, Oh, here, pick this guy, pick this guy. And the guy's like, Oh, like what? my buddy's like, how do you know like who to pick or whatever? And he sent him a link to like daily face off and like, didn't know like who I am or whatever. And the guy, and the guy I guess literally lives on my road. So my buddy's like, dude, like the guy who runs that site lives 30 seconds away from me. He's like, get out. He's like, what does he need me to do? Does he want me to click on advertisements and stuff? It was hilarious. <laughs> but uh, Tim Hortons is uh, getting daily face-off clicks. That's big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People that don't play fantasy are just trying to win free coffees. And now yeah, so you help each other. Yeah, exactly. I'm not on nearly a similar heater to D. Um, I, I'm only two nights in and 0 for 2. So uh, we can only go up from here, baby. Yeah, sorry, I forget. Uh, I forget a lot, but I've uh, I've had you know a decent amount of success. But uh, D, you've been red hot, I know. So uh, let's keep that rolling. Uh, maybe we'll have to have like we'll see if Tim Hortons can sponsor a segment, and we'll have to give the DFO podcast uh, goals of the night every night for a million dollars. Heaven, man, I'm telling you, yeah. all I want. <laughs> but uh, all right, let's get uh, back on track here. We've got uh, a pretty good show coming up. Uh, so. You know, we're a month into the season. Um, you know, D kind of mentioned Jeff Petrie. We got players like Joe Pavelski, uh, just absolutely red hot out of the gate. Um, so we're going to go over some of the, um, you know, big stars of the first month of the season. Uh, just talk about how kind of sustainable some of these early starts are. Um, you know, oftentimes when it's this early, like, most of these starts aren't a hundred percent sustainable, obviously. Uh, but some of them obviously come with some level of sustainability and guys that, you know, are, are definitely going to be worth holding on to uh, for the long run. But then some of these guys also, um, it seems like, you know, kind of just peaking really early um, and maybe somebody that uh, you're going to want to sell high on. So uh, we're going to go just take vengeance on their old team and just scoring a ridiculous amount of goals. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. Uh, so we're going to kind of just talk about the level of sustainability for each player, but then we're also going to uh, provide a little over under um, whether it's goals, whether it's points, um, whether it's goaltender wins, uh, just a little bit of fun, some over unders for some of these players as well, uh, just to kind of gauge uh, how, how, you know, how much we like each of these players uh, moving forward. So um, I think the one logical place to start is, is where we basically started the show this year uh, and where many fantasy drafts started this year as well with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Um, you know, they, they were either 1-2 or 1-3 in most drafts uh, this this offseason and have both been off to just absolutely torrid starts. Uh, so the early question for you guys is Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, over under 100 points. Uh, D, we'll start with you. Over under 100 points for Connor McDavid. Uh, yeah, this is assuming these guys all play 56 games, correct? Yes. Which is pretty uh, absurd so that we're even talking about this being a possibility. Um, Connor last year had 97 and 64 games. Dry said um, topped 110 in 71 games. So, um, you know, obviously uh, the two most productive players in the league over the last couple of seasons, um, they're just on another level right now. I don't know if either of them are going to be able to keep that up over a full 56 games. Um, the schedule, though, is unlike anything we've seen before. 
you know, we talked about it every week, but the North Division, uh, just not a lot of defense being played across the board in Canada this season. So um, certainly possible that these guys can, you know, sustain a pace greater than what we've seen from them before um, and that we've really seen in general. But uh, I just feel like they got to come down, right? Like um, nope. they're both shooting nope. around 20%. Uh, on a shooting percentage, 17% for Dreisaitl. Not as high for McDavid, which is interesting, at 12.3%. Um, power play, you know, we would assume it slow down a little bit. Again, don't know for sure uh, exactly uh, with the scheduling, it, if how big a factor I guess that's going to play in it. So I, I'm going to go under um, just because it seems a little too outrageous for me that one of them would get to 100 points in just 56 games. Um, but I, you know, would definitely expect them to be pushing it and you know, probably top 90 points this season. I'm going uh, – I got to go over it on McDavid there, D, just to go against you and to make it fun. Um, only reason I'm saying that, um, Connor only needs 76 more points in the next 44 games. Sounds a little bit more doable. Just this crazy start has uh, – I mean, it's still absolutely bombing. Yeah. But um, one one thing that's, uh, that's kind of crazy too is with all these teams playing each other this much, um, they're going to start to figure each other out. Nobody out McDavid, but he's going to be figuring out other D. Um, it's going to get scary here. He put up seven points in two games in Ottawa, five points in two games in Toronto. Um, I, I I see him doing it. I don't see Drysdale doing it. Unfortunately, sorry, Leon. Um, I see Leon getting right there um, in the nineties. But if if I do see, I'm I'm heavy on this Connor train. I just want to see it. I'm just pumped to see a hundred points in a fifty-six game season. So I guess it's just wishful thinking. But give me the over because it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um... I think obviously Connor McDavid certainly has a chance. He seems to be kind of playing at another level this year. Uh, the one thing that's really interesting is, is that Connor McDavid, uh, his shot volume is has improved drastically this year, firing uh, 3.7 shots per game, uh, which would put him over 300 for the first time in his career uh, had Ooh. it been a full season. So uh, his shot volume is is a, is a lot uh, higher than it has been early on in his career. Uh, so I think that gives him. Uh, a little bit more sustainability in terms of the goal totals. Uh, eight in, in 12 games is obviously more than we've really seen out of Connor uh, in recent years. Um, and that power play is just still elite. Uh, the fact that he really hasn't gotten all that much done at even strength is kind of hilarious. Uh, but he seems to be paying, playing kind of like a different level uh, this year. So I like Connor over 100 as well, which is just absolutely nuts to say. Um, I did have him projected at 75 points in 56 games coming into the season. So given the fact that he's got 24 in his first 12, I think that's a pretty good head start uh, for where kind of I had him uh, at the start of the year. So uh, given the head start, I think it's definitely possible, which is um, crazy. But yeah, Leon, I have uh, I have under for Leon. Um, if that power play stays hot, I, I don't think that I don't think that it's uh, out of the realm of possibility if that you know power play continues to click at you know, over 25% or whatever, uh, like we've seen out of them. I think they were 23% over the whole season last year, or 28%, something like that. So um, I think it's going to be close for Leon. Uh, but, you know, 100, that, that, that's like, that's just insane. And um, That's so you know, crazy, 100 points. It's crazy, it's crazy that, like, there was that game last week where they just, like, blew the Senators out of the water. And the fact that, like, we were even talking about Daryl Sittler's, like, record kind of even coming into question and not only for one player but both of them they're both just like had like yeah. six points in no time and we're like and neither happening? of them are sam Gagne. yeah what's, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly what's crazy is we're like four years off of jimmy ben leading the league with what was it 80 something points or like 92 points something like that just something super low and we're talking about connor getting over 156 games um like four years ago we would have been like oh yeah league scoring's way down now we're talking about two dudes 
to nearly top in a hundred. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I think I think the main reason for me saying over on Connor is what you said, D. That Canadian division doesn't seem to you know be very uh, interested in playing it's like defense. The OHL defense, yeah. second. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely optional. Uh, the fact that you know they're going to be playing the Senators <laughs> and the Va- Vancouver Canucks uh, a lot more here, you know, in the remaining games. Uh, even if he picks up like one point in each game against like the Maple Leafs, Flames, and Jets, <laughs> he might pick up seven in a night against the the Senators or the Canucks. So. Definitely, uh, I'm going to say over, but it's going to be close for sure. Uh, but, you know, I'm just excited. The fact, like, even if he finishes with, like, 94, I'm completely fine with it. The fact that we're even here, you know, talking about this, like you guys said, is is asinine to me. Uh, the more, we officially guess- started our uh, Connor to 100 count. We'll just update you guys every week. Be like, he's, he's on his way. Um, yeah. It's fun shit. <laughs> um, speaking of things that I didn't think we were going to be talking about at the start of the season, uh, Jeff Petrie a- off to an absolutely electric start to the year. Um, he has 13 points, five goals, eight assists in 11 games to start the season. He did have three straight 40 point seasons. Is he going to reach new heights this year? Uh, over under Jeff Petrie, a point per game defenseman, 50 points or close to point per game. Do you love this guy? Is it happening? He's boy. I do love him. Uh, like I said, I've, he's been my ace in the Tim Hortons Hockey Challenge and uh, was also <laughs> one of the, my last draft picks. Uh, Beavs in our Keeper League this year. Actually, him and Pavelski were my last two picks. So they've been mm-hmm. just abs- you know saving my team so far this season. Um, Petrie obviously has to come back down to earth. You know, uh, will he be a point per game player this season? I, you know, I can comfortably say no. He's got uh, 13 points in 11 games right now. So just <laughs> scraping that margin. Uh, as is with a 17% shooting percentage uh, and a 16.1% on-ice shooting percentage. So, uh, obviously, there's some regression coming Petrie's way. I, I think he's been fantastic. He's in a great spot, um, you know, eating a lot of minutes um, at the right situations on 5v5 for Montreal and obviously on the top power play unit as well. Um, you know, usually him and Shea Weber, both man in the point on that top unit. So, um, certainly going to be, I think, a serviceable fantasy defenseman this year, but I would expect him, you know, to tail off sooner than later. I think with this head start, he probably ends up around uh, 40 points. So, you know, based off uh, per game rates, for sure, reaching new heights this year for me, production wise. Uh, but I don't think he's going to get to, you know, 50 points or, or be, you know, quite a point per game player this year. Yeah, I'm right there with you, D. I, uh, I actually had written in um, close to 50, but not quite getting there and a career year. So, right out of right out of your mouth there um for me it's just the 22 minutes a night that's a little concerning uh if he was playing close to 26 or 25 26 he'd be getting those extra couple minutes even if it is you know protected minutes now those extra couple minutes can lead to a couple points here and there um a couple secondary says blah 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 um so for me i just don't see him getting over 50 he's just never really shown um the potential before yes he has is having an amazing start but um you know we all go through hot stretches and uh we've seen this from Petrie. Um, it just we've seen it previously when Shea Weber wasn't there, so it's kind of good to see it with Weber there. Um, like I said, close 40, great year, but not 50 for me. Give me an under, Brock. Yeah, I think uh, I probably set this uh, a little bit lofty for him, but the one thing that Maybe is like is 45. Yeah, the one thing that's interesting for me is even given this, you know, obviously the hot start is definitely going to help bolster these numbers, uh, but I've got him in right around you know, seven goals, 16 assists, 23 points uh, from here on out. And that's just kind of like his floor. So if he stays anywhere hot, uh, it, it'd be just, it'd be crazy for him to set a new career high in points in a 56 game season. 
Like it would just be absolutely insane. Um, cool. But yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty uh, comfortable under here for me. Uh, I think it would still be even surprising if he tops 40. Um, the one thing that is just nuts is every single night I play, you know, DraftKings and this guy's price, he's like the third highest defenseman on, on the board. It's like, I don't know if I want to pay for Jeff Petrie, but he, he's continuing to prove me wrong. Just absolutely uh, scorching hot. Uh, D, I did not know that uh, two of your last picks were Jeff Petrie and Joe Pavelski, but obviously it's terrific draft picks. Really too. Um, one where people are just going straight youth and we're giving, you know, people D just gems like that. <laughs> and uh, I'm upset about it, if you can tell. Yeah, well, they're more like, uh, you know, they're more like lottery picks than anything else. But Pavelski especially, yeah, after what he did last year and coming into age 36 season. Yeah. We're so so uh, Joe Pavelski is currently sitting at uh, seven goals, eight assists, 15 points in his first eight games of the season. Uh, DU pointed this out uh, pre-show. He is already halfway to last year's goal total and halfway to last year's point total. Uh, so just a kind of tremendous resurgence from Joe Pavelski. Uh, we did see him play much better in the bubble during the Stars' uh, run to the Stanley Cup Finals. He had 13 goals, 19 points in 27 games, but still nothing like this early season production so far. Uh, so my question, and D again, we'll start with you, over under 35 goals for your new boy, Joe Pavelski. <laughs> I, again, I'm going to go with a comfortable under here. Um, he's just not shooting the puck enough to me to, to really push for that, even with um, this head start. Uh, you know, we've only really seen him. I mean, he did do it pretty consistently for uh, a number of years, top that mark, 35 goals, but he was right in between that 35, uh, 40 goal pace, right? The highest he ever put up was 41 goals, uh, and that was in a full 82 games. So um, he's never really scored at that rate in his career before, you know, to the point where he would be topping 35 goals in just a 56 game season. Uh, and again, he's 36 years old, and yeah, it's not like all of a sudden he's shooting the puck six times a game. Uh, comfortable, you know, shot volume and uh, shot production for sure, just under three shots a game. Um, so again, uh, playing a ton uh, in the right um, situations for the Stars this season uh, seems to be, you know, really a, a go-to guy on, on that power play so far. So hopefully that continues. Um, I think that'll be the main source of his production moving forward. Um, not surprising, but yeah, another guy who's shooting percentage and on ice shooting percentage due for some serious regression, uh, 30% personal shooting percentage right now. That's, you know, how you end up with nearly a goal a game as a 36 year old. So, uh, I'm going to say under, I think with this head start, he probably ends up closer to 25 goals. Um, 35 would be pretty ridiculous and it'd probably you know, require him to stay hot like this for another couple of weeks. And maybe we'd be talking about, uh, the McDavid hundred point pace at that, at that point. So, uh, again, I'm going to go with another under here. I know it's a little bit boring, uh, but I really just can't see that happen again. It'd be surprising to see Petrie post career highs, right? In this uh, shortened kind of season. Uh, and I wouldn't expect it, uh, you know, a sudden resurgence to the point of uh, goal production we've never seen before out of a 36 year old. So under for me. Yeah. Yeah. Even with this incredibly hot start, he still would need 28 goals in the next 48 games. Felski's only scored 28, like you said, um, five over 28 five times in a screw that's during 82 game season so 28 and 48 that's a little uh a little unreasonable and joe uh if joe falls back back to even 15 percent of what he was last year um that that player he 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 all of a sudden falls off all day so um that's an under for me uh or to be boring as well and and (laughs) agreeing with you I mean, like, I, I think the, the point that we're trying to get to here is that uh, a lot of these early season starts are unsustainable, and that's kind of what we were getting sure. at. But, uh, 
you know, some of these aren't uh, to the point where we dislike the player at all. Uh, but just definitely a lot of these, um, a lot of these rates are definitely going to, to, to come down. Uh, so I also have Joe Pavelski at under, um, I have him pegged for maybe, uh, 17 to 20 more goals this season, which would put him at about 27 goals for the season. Uh, so pretty, you know, obviously really good totals there. Uh, but maybe not quite the, the, uh, 35 that we were expecting, I guess for Joe and Jeff, Jeff Petrie, I probably should have dropped maybe 30 goals, but, um, we want to know, like this guy's on pace for, for almost 56 goals. So, um, if 35, if 56, if he's on a 56 goal pace, then obviously 35, we can talk about it. Right. Um, another guy who's on pace, a, rid- a ridiculous star. I think he would score probably 90 goals if he got to play against the Vancouver Canucks every night. And that's Tyler Toffoli. Toffoli is off to, uh, another one of these incredible starts. Uh, most, I think he's got nine goals on the season in 11 games. Eight of them have come against the Vancouver Canucks, uh, which is just absolutely hilarious to me. Um, but over under Tyler Toffoli, let's call it 30 goals. He's got a career high of 31. Can Tyler Toffoli set a new career high? Let's say 31. Um, new career high for Tyler Toffoli in a shortened season after scoring nine in his first 11 beeps. What do you think? Oh, um, originally we had this at 35, I will say, when I was doing research. Um, and my mind is now switched. So I was going on the under. Um, I like to, I like to be fun though. I like to play games. Um, I'm going to take the over with nine goals right now. Um, that means that our boy Toffoli only needs, oh, what is it? 21 in the next 22, 22, yeah. In, yeah, 22 in the next 50, uh, five games. I, uh, I like it. You know, he's on a new team. It's uh, it seems to be working. He's shooting a shit ton. He's got 38, 38 shots on that so far this year. Um, you know, and he's doing all this with limited power play production. So uh, I would like to see that power play production pop up a little bit. Um, it's definitely super unexpected if he does go 30, but just cause it's fun. Let's take to fully 30 because oh, they play the Knox at least five more times. I don't know for sure if that's a exact number. It might be four, but uh, like we said, piling them up over there. And uh, he's clearly a, a one of the the prime scoring options out in Montreal nowadays. Yeah, I got a agree. I'm glad you knocked it um, back down to 30 because it gives me the chance to actually go over here. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> just with the head start, you know, Beef said he just needs 22 and 45 um, the rest of the way to get to, to over that 30 goal hump. So um, yeah, I, I think um, certainly plausible that he can maintain half a goal game pace from here on out. There's still room for his ice time to grow as well. Um, under 17 minutes and right now, uh, you know, I mentioned it a few times, um, already on the show this season, but I really do think that Montreal needs to start, um, giving more and more ice time to the, to the second and, you know, hopefully Tafoli moves up to that second line. He's on playing most with Kaka Yemi right now, but that Suzuki Anderson line. Uh, and to me, Tafoli is the real ideal, um, inclusion there. Uh, alongside them over Drew, and I think that's got real potential to be, mm-hmm. um, sure. you know, a, a top tier number one line for them. So um, I, I'm really, you know, like I said, optimistic that uh, there's room for his ice time still to grow this season. Uh, shooting rates, shot volume, same thing we saw out of him when he went to Vancouver last year, right? It's through the roof right now. Um, so just great to see. We've been, you know, kind of calling, or we were calling for him to maybe get a move out of LA for a while now. Um, and play with some better play drivers around him. And he certainly has that uh, in Montreal, one of the teams at 5v5 for the last few seasons. So, yeah, I think he can um, really maintain around that half goal. That'll, that'll get him over the 30-goal mark the rest of the way, um, especially if that ice time does grow. Yeah, I have I have him at uh, 
at over as well, just because uh, I think he's going to probably land right on the number, to be honest with you. Um, I've got him pegged for about 20 more goals. So he's, he's at nine right now. So I guess it would be an under technically, but I'm going to, I'm going to say over just because uh, he does have four more games against the Vancouver Canucks. So he could go for about nine goals in, the, in that game. And it really offset. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, I like it. Like it's funny because he's, you know, basically replicated the shot to- totals that he had in his little stint in Vancouver last year. Uh, pucks going in a little bit more, uh, but the shot volume's up. I would like obviously being uh, being a focal point on that top power play unit helps as well. Uh, so a little bit more uh, power play production could go a long way as well. So um, I really do like Tyler Toffoli. I think it was a great signing uh, by the Canadians. I liked it at, at the time. Um, I don't know how. I don't know if he will end up on that Suzuki line just because of how good they've been able three lines and how uh, successful all three lines have been. Uh, so. Uh, I would be shocked if they do change it up, but obviously uh, after, you know, it's only been 10 games, things can definitely change as the season progresses. Uh, but I think like what you said, D, is we just want to see maybe two less minutes a night go to that to no line and spread the wealth around a little bit more. Uh, but then, you know, every time we say that, that the no line has like an outstanding game and we realize why they they give them as much ice time as they do. So uh, I have to fully, as uh, as an over as well, I just, I really like the, the player and I really like, the, the fit in with uh, with the Canadians so far this year. Uh, let's stick with the Canadians. We're going to skip a guy here just for a moment. We'll come back to James Van Riemsdyk in a second. Josh Anderson, another really good offseason pickup uh, by the Montreal Canadiens, also off to a hot start. Let's call it 30 goals for Josh Anderson as well. Beebs, over, under, 30 goals for the big man. Under for the big man. And don't come after me, please, big man, because uh, I, um, he's never done it in his career um, in an 82-game season, scored 30 goals. He has to get 23 in his next 45 just to get to 30. So 24 in his next 45 to get over. Um, his career high is 27, and he's shooting at a 19.4 shooting percentage. Big man, you can't keep that up. You're not Patrick Laine. Um Yeah, so I'm going under. <laughs> under and apparently just dumping on Josh Anderson. I, I'm going to disagree with you there, Beavs. Uh, you know, bump Josh Anderson's tires a little bit. I, I think it's pretty remarkable that he's been able to get off to such an amazing start, um, despite the fact that he's playing just 14 minutes a night and, you know, 36 shots in just 11 games. Uh, again, another guy who I, I'm really just begging for the Habs to play these guys more because they certainly deserve it. Um, and I really think that um, he could be a, a serious um, threat for them moving forward. I, I, I think he's, you know, uh, been kind of an underrated um, shot producer for a while. There's uh, certainly some potential there that he flashed a couple of years ago when he was just 24 years old, had 27 goals, 230 shot season with Columbus. Uh, and yeah, another guy much like the Foley now just playing with the team that's uh, much more effective at 5v5 at driving play. It's not a surprise that he's getting more shooting and score chances. Um, so yeah, I really just expect it to continue and um, even more so than to Foley, right? Really do expect that ice time. Uh, to continue to grow this season for Anderson. So uh, I think with that start he's got, uh, 30 goals is doable, so I'll go over. Yeah, I think that his uh, like average time on ice is a little bit uh, hampered too because he did leave a game early. Uh, earlier in the season, a couple weeks ago, he got sick and like only played six minutes or something like that. So I think uh brings his, his average time on ice down just with such a small sample size, but he has been over 17 minutes a night some nights. Um, I think the really good thing for Josh Anderson is he was a recent addition to the top power play unit. Uh, they finally bumped Thomas Tatar completely off of a unit. Um, and Josh Anderson is filling in on the second unit now. So uh, the fact that he's scored 
uh, six goals or sorry, seven goals thus far this season uh, with zero on the power play uh, is very impressive. Uh, he's tied, I believe, for the NHL lead in even strength goals with six. Um, and then he had a shorty last night for the Tim Hortons, uh, <laughs> Tim Hortons contest for me, which was great. Um, <laughs> But yeah, tie for the NHL lead and even strength goals is obviously really impressive. I'm going to go under, but I think he finishes with 20, like eight. I'm going to say 28. So 21 goals in the remaining games this season. Uh, but I absolutely love that line. I play that line on DraftKings every single night. Love Nick Suzuki. Love Josh Anderson. Uh, love Tyler Toffoli. Just a lot of really good things going on in Montreal. Uh, but let's talk about a guy we talked about a little bit last week. That's James Van Riemsdyk. I uh, had him uh, as, as a guy that should be picked up. Uh, he's just been red hot, uh, playing very well, playing, um, you know, a very key role on, on that Flyers power play. Uh, we're going to be a little bit more, um, give him a little bit better chance of going over here, Beebs. Over under 20 goals for James Van Riemsdyk. Over for me. Um, he only needs 16 more in his next 45 games. He potted 19 and 66 last year on what many would consider an offer. Um so this is completely doable, especially for him being this red hot. Uh, kind of what's weird for what we're seeing right now is he's putting, he's absolutely tossing up the apples. He's got 10, uh, 10 assists across 11 games uh, to go along with those five goals. But we're talking about goals here. All he has to do is get to 21. Uh, JBR looks like a different beast this year. Uh, I think 21 is completely doable, especially with JBR's career. He's always been in the mid-20s, mid to high 20s. Um, super consistent score. And uh, just with this hot start, uh, this team around him, I, I do expect him to, to pop that over. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's over for me. I, I think, you know, we've seen enough from JVR that um, it's super reasonable to expect him to score a goal every three games from here on out. Uh, even in the role that he's playing, you know, 31 years of age, um, already four power play goals on the season. Uh, again, I, I brought up his last year in Toronto, uh, I think last week or maybe a, a couple weeks ago, but um Really kind of similar to that season. He wasn't getting a ton of ice time, average under 15 minutes a night, not playing a lot of even strength, but uh, was one of their core contributors on the power play. He scored 11 power play goals that season. So uh, I think we could see something pretty um, you know, similar this year. Uh, they don't need him to play a lot at 5v5, uh, much like you know the Leafs um, the last few years and certainly his last year in Toronto there. There's a lot of depth there, so they don't need him to play a ton of minutes. Um, still respectable shot volume considering – um, the ice time that he is getting. And uh, yeah, I think as long as he continues to be that, you know, focal point net front presence on the power play, um, he can easily top 20 goals this year. Okay. I'm going to just to uh, change things up. I'm going to go under. Uh, I just think that the shot volume is not there under 23, uh, just 23 shots in 11 games. Uh, if that shot volume, may, you know, sustains itself and his, and his shot, shot shooting percentage comes back down to, to earth a little bit. I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him. I've got him for about 12 goals in the remaining uh, 12 to 13 goals remainder of the season, which would have him land around uh, 17 goals. So just under for James and Reemsdyke, but I'm going to stick with Van Reemsdyke and ask you guys a bonus question here because it's something that he's very rarely done throughout his career. Beebs more assists than goals for James Van Reemsdyke. I knew that was coming. Um, I gotta go. No, I just I can't go against the hockey gods. If he's been doing it for this many years, uh, nothing's gonna change. It'll work out. It's like Obi. D more assists or or goals? Uh, I'll say assists. I think you know he's already got ten on the season. Um, you know, yes, I think he'll get over twenty goals, but it's not a lot. 
Um, there's obviously not a lot more to really push up and make over that uh, that five point gap between the goals and assists so far this year. And you know, we saw it last year it was one of the few times he actually did have more assists than goals uh, with the Flyers. So I will say, uh, yeah, more assists than goals. Why not? Yeah, I'm gonna go agree with you on that one with assists. If I've only got him at 17 goals, uh, he, yeah, only you eight have to. he only needs eight, he only needs eight assists for the rest of the season to go over yeah, there. there you so. Go. I'm gonna go with the over. Uh, <laughs> let's move on here, uh, Biebs. This is a this is one that hits close to home for you. Uh, a little bit different over under, but really it's who ends up with more points this year. Both defensemen have been off to a terrific start. Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes. They've seemingly kind of been uh, like neck and neck uh, since they've come into the NHL together, um, and they're right there again to start this season. So uh, I think I know your answer, but uh, maybe me and D <laughs> disagree. More points by the end of the season, Kale McCarr or Quinn Hughes, after what you've seen through the first month. All I have to say is Quinn Hughes has 11 secondary assists of his 15. Um, I just like to start with that. Like to point that out. Kale McCarr does not have anything close to that. Um, no, I got to go Kale McCarr on this one. Obviously, I have to. Um, if I don't, um, I might be denounced by the Avs fans. But um, yeah, like I said, you know, Hughes is kind of pumping those stats, those secondary assists. Those can cancel out um, realistically anytime. Uh, McCarr right now, too, is just playing those extra minutes. And Hughes, I don't know if you guys have watched Vancouver. I'm not trying to shit on this guy. I really wanted him to be good defensively. He is atrocious defensively this year. And that's going to come back to bite him as far as fantasy goes because that'll they got to start playing guys who can play better minutes to shut down bigger names and that's going to start going against his uh his time so uh, i do think they'll be neck and neck all year for points but uh i just have mccarr taking that mccarr seems to be getting more and more minutes every night of ice for hughes i'm scared he's going to go the opposite direction unless he starts improving that defensive game um like i said though both are going to have huge years mccarr needs to learn how to score right now um that's that's with the difference um but they're both not heavy shooters so uh so yeah i'm gonna go mccarr but uh yeah this, this is a tough one and they're both phenomenal point getters so let me say that yeah um this is a tricky one i would agree i I do think you know from an offensive standpoint um quinn hughes's underlying numbers are actually a lot more promising um mccarr doesn't look like he's going to quite be able to maintain a point per game pace like he has to this point Uh, division too yeah yeah exactly right and he's just not uh, not shooting as much as hughes either um, he was up to 37 shots uh, in 14 games, McCarr 24 and 11. Um, so still, you know, respectable shot volume, um, certainly for a defenseman uh, as far as McCarr uh, is concerned. But again, 15% on ice shooting percentage as well, um, whereas Hughes is a lot more reasonable uh, in that regard uh, at 10.3%. So, uh, yeah, from an offensive standpoint, I do think that um, Hughes' production looks a little bit more reliable. Uh, I know what you're saying about the secondary assist with Hughes. I, I don't know if that's really going to change, though. I, I, I really do think that he's still going to get a lot of secondary um, assists just with how um, the up-and-down nature of them at 5v5 and obviously on the power play as well. Um, and, yeah, like I said, they're still creating a decent amount of scoring chances, even though they're getting outworked and outpossessed um, when Hughes is on the ice. But the real threat to that, I mean, or I guess Hughes's side of the argument here is what you said, B. Uh, we've already started to see it, and it's just a question of how much, um, you know, the lack of, um, I guess, trust that they can, Travis Green can put in him in, in his own end. How much is that really going to hamper his ice time moving forward? We've already started to see, uh, you know, his zone splits get a little more dramatic this year. It was at 59% ozone start percentage last year for Hughes, 65% uh, percent so far this year. So, yeah, definitely starting to get tilted, maybe not as much trust in him 
um, this year in his own end, as you alluded to, Biebs. Um, And I really do just expect that Avs power play to be that much more consistent throughout the year. Um, so more just from kind of the ice, ice time perspective and the fact that, uh, yeah, I think Hughes is at this point, you know, not a lot of great two-way forwards around them. I don't think you can expect them to, to really, you know, man a shutdown defensive unit. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with I'm with Biebs in that regard. I think his ice time is going to start to get scaled back more and more. Um, so I'm going to go with Makar, but if Hughes can kind of figure it out and they can steady their numbers at 5v5 a bit and, he, you know, keeps playing around 20, 23 minutes a night, I think Hughes would give him a run for his money. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think he's due for, uh, for a t- you know, drop in ice time. So Makar for me. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to add too much to your guys' points. I'm going to go with Makar as well. But just to be kind of devil's advocate here, I think the one thing that could bode in Quinn Hughes' favor is the fact that um, – you know, the Canucks, they had the fourth best power play in the NHL last year. Uh, right now, it's, you know, in, in the mid-20s this season. The Canucks have not looked right. Elias Pettersson has not looked, you know, himself. JT Miller, uh, not the player that he was so, last year uh, so far. Brock Besser, obviously, scoring goals. Uh, but they're just really not. They haven't been quite the same team that we were expecting to see this year. Um, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the expectations that we had for them coming into the season might not end up kind of, they might not end up living up to those. And that would obviously hurt Quinn Hughes, but if they do sort of try to figure, you know, kind of figure things out, especially in a division with um, as many goals as as we're seeing in that North division, I do think that there is a chance uh, for Quinn Hughes, certainly um, to kind of pick things up here, Um, not pick things up because he's already got a good season going, but the Canucks as a whole can pick things up and it would go a long way for Quinn Hughes. But uh, just because of how good Colorado is, I do like Kale McCarr a little bit more still, uh, but I think it's going to be neck and neck, you know, almost the entire season and, and probably uh, by the looks of things throughout their entire career. So uh, we talked about Josh Anderson and, and my boy Nick Suzuki earlier. Now we're going to talk about Nick Suzuki. Uh, it's been kind of a trending um, thing on Twitter with each passing game where he picks up a point. Everybody kind of says, oh, Nick Suzuki's a point per game player still. Nick Suzuki's still a point per game player. So the question is, and D, we'll go back to you. We'll switch it up again here. Uh, start with you on this one. Nick Suzuki, will he be a point per game player fit over 55 or sorry, 56 points this season? Uh, I will say no. I think he's going to become, you know, just under 56 points. Um, underlying numbers look strong, uh, but I think he's just been a little bit fortunate in that regard. Um, granted, it's hard to, uh, you know, base much off his uh, personal shoot percentage just uh, one year in the NHL, but 14.3% so far this year. Um, just not shooting enough for me, really, to to confidently say he's going to be a point per game player. Twenty one shots in eleven games, not quite uh, two a game. Uh, and unlike the other two guys, to Foley and Anderson, we were talking about earlier. Uh, I don't know how much room there is for Suzuki's ice time to grow. He's already playing eighteen minutes a night, um, and yeah, obviously the no seems to um, kind of have a, a, a obviously a, a lockdown on twenty minutes a night as well. So uh, only leaves so much um, ice time uh, for the rest of the team down the middle. Um, and yeah, he's already seen a lot of minutes, so I don't know how much that's going to grow. I, I think he's going to just cool off a little bit. I expect him to maybe finish around 45 to 50 points. And I think in another year or two, while the shot volume continues to grow, um, and yeah, his role continues to grow within the team as well. We'll be looking at a point per game player, but, uh, for me, not quite yet this season. Yeah. I'm kind of in the exact same frame as that. Um, you literally, it looked like you had what I'd written down with just expanded points that were a lot better. Um, cause I just <laughs> doesn't, doesn't shoot the puck near enough gonna be right below 56 and uh 50 i put 50 to 52 maybe that's all i had written down didn't really feel like going much deeper i also figured brock would just be going crazy on nick suzuki so i was like you know what we don't need to research here 
Yeah, no, I, I think that I'll so say he does. I, I'll say he does uh, hit a point per game, but I think it's going to be kind of right on the number. Um, you know, the shot volume is not great. Uh, obviously, you guys have alluded to that, but I think that there is, um, you know, he he's basically right on, on pace with what he had last year in terms of shot volume. So it's not something I really expect uh, to improve. But the thing is that his surrounding cast has obviously improved playing with somebody like Josh Anderson has uh, definitely increased um, what we've seen from him last year. Obviously, uh, the you know, almost three extra minutes of ice time a night is great. And the fact that he's on the top power play unit that really seems to be cooking, uh, you know, Jeff Petrie, oh, Shea yeah. Weber, that's okay. really that's really dangerous, uh, you know, on the at the points for that power play. Uh, you got Tyler Toffoli as kind of a net front presence and, and, and Nick Suzuki with Jonathan Drouin. There's a lot of options on that power play. So I do expect that power play to, to be rolling kind of throughout the entire season. And the fact that Nick Suzuki um, is, a, is a focal point on that on that unit, I think is definitely a boost to his value. So uh, obviously not a guy that's going to score a ton of goals this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he picks up, uh, you know, 45 assists over the course of the season and, and finishes kind of right on the numbers. So you guys are both going under. I'm going to say... Uh, maybe a push. I think it's going to be right on the number for Nick Suzuki, fifty-six <laughs> points. Obviously, uh, hopefully he he can you know stay healthy and play the entire season. I love that. I like that. And you just want to just want Twitter to keep popping. Yeah, it's just funny. I think it's uh, oh, it's hilarious. Arpin Bazu or Baz- I don't know how to pronounce his freaking name, but from from the Athletic, and uh, he says that every game like, "Hey, by the way, Nick Suzuki still a point per game player." So uh, <laughs> nothing last night. So he he's kind of he's flirting with it not being a thing anymore. So he better pick one up uh, tomorrow. That was night. against Ottawa. That's your freebie game, bud. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, though, like I uh, I was I was. I was expecting that last night, like a little bit. Like it just seemed like such a trap game, right? Like, yeah, Ottawa like, has to win eventually, too, right? Like, and, no, and honestly, every night. No, and um, I, I obviously you guys probably don't watch the DFO DFS show every night, but uh, I've said say it every night. Ottawa plays like when you look at things on the surface, like Ottawa has actually been pretty good at five v five all season. Um, you know, they've been solid offensively. They've been actually pretty good defensively. Uh, as well, but their penalty kill is a fucking nightmare, and their goaltending is a nightmare. That's really kind of what's holding them back. I think Ottawa is going to be a team that's not just going to get run over every single night. Uh, DU kind of talked about it last week, how Ottawa seems to have kind of bought into to DJ Smith's system, and they are producing quite a bit of chances yeah. offensively. They're not a bad team uh, at 5v5, but their penalty kills got to improve, and they just need to save. And Matt Murray looked a lot better last night, so hopefully uh, for the Senators' sake, that's something that kind of continues here as the as the months progress, but uh, beeps or sorry, D um, one of the guys that's kind of been going hand in hand with Joe Pavelski so far this season is John Klingberg. It's been like, basically you look at the, you look at the score sheet at the end of the night and it's Joe Pavelski from John Klingberg or John Klingberg from Joe Pavelski. So my question to you is he, you know, John Klingberg was kind of one of these guys that was like a must own in fantasy. Uh, you know, when he first came into the league a little bit slower, the last couple seasons, specifically last year with the injuries, but is this a guy that can top 40 points in a shortened season? Uh, yeah, I th- again, I think with the head start, um, he certainly can, right. Um, keep in mind that the stars have still only played, uh, eight games this season. So that gives him 48 games left the remaining, uh, 30 points. So, you know, we're talking, 0.0625 points per game, not far off. Um, even what we've seen from him in the last couple of years when his pace has slowed down a little bit. Um, last year, it was 0.55. Um, you know, and again, he was hurt last year, saw his power play time getting eaten 
eaten into a little bit before that. Uh, and the year before, uh, he was 0.7 points a game. So above that mark that he needs to get to. And of course, the, the like you said, Brock, he was a, a real hot commodity uh, pretty much every year um, up until last year since he's been in the league was really the first year where he dipped below um, that rate, that 0.6 point per game that he's going to need to hit from here on out. Um, I think he cemented himself, um, you know, as, as their top option on the power play, six power play assists already this season. Um, so whether or not Heiskanen's on there, you, you know, might change throughout the season. But I, I, I think if it is the case, it's going to be two defensemen on that top unit. Um, Klingberg, like I said, I, I think he's shown his value. Uh, he's proven since he's come into the league that he can definitely quarterback a power play and do it quite well. Um, you know, double-digit power play assists every year he's been in the league. So I think it's going to be a continue to be a steady source of production for him. Uh, and with this head start, I'll give him the over for 40 points this year. Yeah, I'm also going over there. This one, uh, this one seemed a bit easy for me. Just you know, the the 10 point head start, like you said, uh, just how good that power play is, and clearly something's clicking with Dallas against some of these teams that they're that they're going to be playing uh, quite a few times this year. Um, like very very interesting, like you said too, with the the two man D combo um, on the power play, we don't see that often. That just goes to show how good Klingberg really is up there. Um, I mean, Heiskanen, we, we know how good he is and, and we know about him being their future, but um, John Klingberg, yeah, over, over 40 points, which is great. Great to see him back in fantasy rosters. Um, not as, not as hot as a commodity. I remember back in the day when people were considering taking him as uh, their D man one. Um, so, you know, it's good to see him as a D two now. Well, actually playing as a D one currently. So I'm taking the over as well here over 40 points for John Klingberg. Yeah, I'll go under, uh, but again, just super close. I've got him finishing around 37. So um, this could be, you know, if this hot shoot continues for three, four more games, then it's, you know, we're talking about him hitting the over for sure. So uh, you guys both went over, I'll say under, just but very, very close, 37 points. Uh, for John Klingberg, but it is good to see. Uh, he does look like a different beast this year, looks a lot more confident, uh, looks healthy, which is good for the Dallas Stars, and it's good for Joe Pavelski. Um, okay, quickly, these last couple guys will roll through here. Nick Ritchie has been just absolutely scorching hot um, on, on the Bruins' top power play unit. So um, kind of the reason I included Nick Ritchie is because I think that we should talk about him a little bit is in terms of uh, being a fantasy waiver wire pickup. Um, he is playing with David Krejci. The underlying numbers for that line so far this season have been pretty strong. Um, and he is the net front guy on the top power play in Boston, which is obviously a pretty coveted spot. Um, he was playing there. Uh, you know, while Jake DeBrusque was still in the lineup, Jake DeBrusque is currently out. So it could be something that he loses uh, over time. Once Jake DeBrusque gets back in the lineup, remains to be seen how that'll shake out. But he currently has four power play goals in 10 games. So my question to you is over under 15 power play goals. I love it. I love it. Nick Ritchie. <laughs> D. I, uh, I actually didn't even realize this was power play goals only, and I thought it was 15 goals for Nick Ritchie. And I, I was going to say it was the best line you said all night because if uh, I basically was just working out a shot volume rate, his career average, uh, and he's basically on pace with the head start that he has to finish at 14 and a half goals this season. Uh, and again, that's goals in total, even strength, and power play. So well, he's not going to be power play. They're all going to be power play. He's not going to score at even strength. Yeah. So I you're would, answering I your would own question. I disagree with you there. You, you, that line's back, like you said, Rock has been really good uh, so far this season. So uh, that's I, Craig Smith is the third piece of that line. So 
Uh, maybe not surprising to see David Krejci uh, reignited a little bit this year with some actual um, decent hockey players, I guess you could call him, skating on his wing. So, um, yeah, it's been a solid line at 5v5. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. I there, There's no way I, I could really imagine him scoring another 11 <laughs> power play goals this year, nope. especially with Pasternak back now. Um, I just don't think he's going to get a lot of shooting opportunities. The game, yes, he's standing in front of the net, uh, but the game plan is <laughs> not to get Nick Ritchie the puck when Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak are out there. So I'm going to go comfortably under, although I do think you know, 50 goals total is uh, going to be a good show for him this year. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wanted to go over so freaking bad. And I tried so many different occasions where I could go over, but just with Foster returning, um, Richie doesn't have a goal since that's happened. Um, <laughs> so that's just a little concerning, but, um, but yeah, uh, give me the over Brock just cause it's a fucking hilarious. Um, Nick Richie over 15 power play goals, which means he has to get 16. You know what? They're 16 with 10 tippins. Let's go. Boston PP to the moon. <laughs> David Clarkson did it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. He just has to get he has to get passion act to just rip a couple off his ass and he's right on pace <laughs> again. So uh I'm gonna go under. But, Come on. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna be close. Um so I, I I just you know I, I think that this is um definitely a, a nice hot streak. It's nice to see Nick Ritchie kind of get things going again. He was once uh touted as being a pretty good prospect and hadn't it really nice. developed right it, it, that. into it is that. Nice. Uh he seems he seems to have found his way with Boston and uh you know I, I hope that they continue to give run to Nick Ritchie, Craig Smith and David Krejci because David Krejci deserves wingers so bad um they've kind of flirted with putting um Craig Smith on that wing a couple times this season and then he's played like one or two games and then they've pulled him off and went somewhere else um like Carson Kuhlman or something like that and they just need to give him Craig Smith he needs it so bad I feel bad for that guy he's never played with wingers in his whole <laughs> life, so. uh but anyways I'm gonna go under I'll say 13 power play goals for Nick. Love it. Uh, Love that. I, I, the reason I wanted to bring him up was just to make sure that we did talk yeah, about him sure. because uh, he should be picked up. I think he's right around 25% owned in Yahoo Standard League. So, um, And then, okay, my boy Kirill Kaprizov over under 40 points. Beebs, go back to you here. Uh, I, I hate to do it because uh, I want – Minnesota would be bad, so bad. But over, I got over, but just over. Um, he does not shoot the puck nearly enough for my liking. Um, his shooting percentage is just through the roof right now, um, and that's with just his limited uh, goal production. But I do still expect this guy. He's just in all the right places um, as far as literally and figuratively. Um, you know, he's he's on that first PP. He's on that first line. Um, things haven't really clicked yet either with Fiala in that lineup. And I expect things to change there. Um, as much as we pump that guy on the show, he is a phenomenal and probably the best offensive weapon on that team. So that can only help Kirill Kaprizov. Give me over 40. Give me 42 points for Kirill Kaprizov. I will also say a comfortable over here. Uh, I think a little bit of regression coming his way, right? He's got a 15% on ice shooting percentage, 17% shooting percentage. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, he could still, like I said, regress a little bit and still comfortably uh, top 40 points. I love this guy simply for the fact that he's made the Minnesota Wilds uh, watchable again. Yeah, uh, they're games are halfway enjoyable when he's on the ice. Uh, no, he is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, he's a very creative, innovative player. Um, definitely a pass for his player. So the shot totals, I don't think we should expect them to be there. Um, I think he kind of reminds me of Elias Pettersson a little bit where, um, you know, from what we've seen, he's got a very good shot. Um, but is very selective when it comes to using it. So I think he's going to, you know, end up being more like a 25 goal, 
uh, 40, you know, as he kind of ages and maybe edges into his prime a little bit, I think 50 assists, you know, this guy could be near the top of the league uh, in the assist charts. But yeah, from what we've seen so far, it doesn't look like he's going to be uh, one of the top goal threats in the league, but uh, a terrific player nonetheless. And I think 40 points more than doable for him. Yeah, did have back-to-back 30-goal seasons in the KHL, uh, but I think we talked about it a couple shows ago. It's like when you're playing with uh, <laughs> Kevin Fiala on a power play, it's like not really your job to shoot. It's his. Um, so I think that's going to obviously hurt his overall goal production, but I'm going to go over as well. I think this is the first time all show we've kind of all been in agreement here. Um, and I, I think that while he is probably due for some regression in terms of both the shooting percentage and the on-ice shooting percentage, uh, his usage is just through the roof. We've seen him up over 20 minutes some nights. Uh, average is 18 to 45. Uh, so definitely the usage is there. And I think that this is just going to be a matter of just continuing to get more and more comfortable with the team, with his teammates. Um, eventually, they're going to have to land on, on somebody a little bit more permanent on that top line it's kind of been a revolving door at center but that's what happens when you have four number three centers on your roster um but i think it's just kind of as he continues to build familiarity with uh his teammates i think that it's gonna help um and i think the the big thing is um what you know while it's not a team loaded with talent it's also a team that's got enough talent to improve uh the power play which is currently Mm -hmm. at league worst 7.1 percent uh so with you know zach parise with kaprizov uh with you know a healthy you know matt dumba in the future uh, and and kevin fiala this is definitely a, a power play unit that can be up in the you know the 15 percent range uh so i expect that to improve and when that does that that's going to go a long way in helping kaprizov's overall uh fantasy outlook and i think that he you know he could creep up towards 50 if they if they start to figure out those power plays but um you know, their, their games are postponed for a full week. So maybe, uh, you know, during the Zoom sessions, they'll figure something out there. Uh, but <laughs> so Biebs, Biebs, Philip Grubauer, uh, this was a guy that I was actually higher on than both of you guys during uh, our goalie rankings show. Um, and so far, he's one of the few that is making me look smart so far this season. Uh, currently the number one rated fantasy goaltender on Yahoo. Uh, I have the over-under set for Philip Grubauer on 30 wins. Biebs, what do you think? Easy. Should have set it to 50. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I'm going over <laughs> over 30. Uh, realistically, uh, the one thing that's really helped Grubauer and that I think held both me and uh, Dylan Deberthium over there back is Pavel Francouz was, uh, was a threat. But he is now officially week to week um, as of two days ago and uh, on put on the long-term IR as of yesterday. Um, so we don't know when he could come back. It might be a whole year thing. Hunter Miska has been a great fill-in as a backup, but he hasn't really been uh, necessarily stealing the show or anything where they're going to give him starts that they're not going to give to Grubauer, who is literally stealing the show, number one ranked fantasy goaltender. Um, one thing that is a little bit scary is with this little break we have going, Colorado was originally one of, uh, Brock had uh, put it out early in the year, uh, teams back-to-backs. Colorado was originally on the lower end of the back-to-backs, but with this new COVID break, thanks Minnesota, um, Colorado now has a, a high chance to be just throwing a few games in. I don't know how they're going to adjust the schedule, but it does look like they'll have more back-to-backs. That might hurt Grubauer's overall 30-win uh, potential. That scares me. Still getting 30 wins because you just don't lose when he's in net. I, uh, no, I, I, I'm going to go over as well. I think he's just gotten yeah. off to such a great start. Um, yeah, Beebs is right. The looming kind of schedule 
Uh, Nightmare is a bit of a concern, but I think, you know, with these elongated breaks, they're going to keep looking to get him in there uh, as much as possible. He started, you know, over 80% of the games already this season. Uh, I do expect that to continue, you know, save for, you know, five, 10 extra back-to-backs getting thrown in there. Uh, I think by the time they start to dole his minutes down a little bit closer to the end of the season, he's already going to top that 30 win mark. Um, I just think they're going to win a lot of games and he's been outstanding the last few years. And I think he's going to be in net for a lot of them. So yeah, I'll say over. Yeah, I'm going to go over as well. Uh, they're just so good. Even, uh, you know, they're winning even when Nathan McKinnon isn't in the lineup. So, <laughs> uh, you know, they're dealing with a bunch of injuries right now, which is a little bit concerning, uh, but maybe a week off is going to help them. I think that they purposely got COVID so that they can uh, take a week off and get Devin Taves and Kale and uh, Nathan McKinnon back. Uh, that's just a conspiracy. Um, I'm just kidding. Hey, but, uh, we don't bring it's, that it's, shit up. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely going to help. Uh to just since we're kind of on this topic of games being postponed, I, I got another bonus over under here. So right now the season this. is scheduled to be completed on May eighth. So my question to you is: over under this regular season will be done by May fifteenth. Over. Over. Yeah, longer. Give me. I just don't you, think there. I don't think there's any rush. I don't think yeah. there's any need to – we showed last season, it doesn't matter when the playoffs happen, people are going to watch, right? So, yeah, I don't think there should be any rush. I think, you know, if it's like a men's softball season where you have two or three weeks at the end of the season that are just rain updates and, and you know, or make updates for rainouts, and uh, some teams are waiting a couple weeks for the playoffs to start, so be it, right? Play an extra – do a mini training cap again if you need to. Um, respect the competitive integrity of the competition. Let's get all the games in and however long it takes. So I'll say over. Yeah. As long as we don't have any of that win percentage shit determining who, uh, goes where, then I'm good. I'm going to go over as well. Yeah, I agree. It's just, you have to get it in, right? Like you just, um, they're gonna, you know, I think they obviously want to try to finish it by May 8th, but there is no rush. Uh, if we have to push the, the season back, even just a month, it really doesn't change anything um, moving towards next season. So I, I you know, obviously we, we wish everybody the best of health and hopefully it, it, it can get done at, in a healthy way as soon as possible. But I do think that it's just going to kind of be, uh, they're going to get back into a corner the, the way things seem to be going right now. Um, and they're, they're not going to have any choice. It is crazy to me though, that not a single positive test in, in Canada yet. Like, you know, Canada hasn't had a, any of these, there's no, North Division has not had a, had a scare at all, but um, down south, not can't say the same. Uh, but all right, another guy we talked about last week, just want to quickly hit on him again because he seemingly just keeps getting better every single time we do a podcast. Kevin Lankinen, uh, Dylan, over under 15 wins for Kevin Lankinen. I'm going to say over. I you know He's already at uh, four wins. I think he's going to start three quarters, 75% of the games the rest of their way. Um, yeah, I... The Hawks, not a very good team, but I do think they're going to end up around 20 wins this year, and I like him to get at least 15 of those. I think he's going to steal some games for them. Yeah, um, I hate to admit that you're probably right um, on Kevin Lankinen because I just totally ba- uh, bashed this guy last week. But, um, <laughs> you know, it just this team seems a little bit better than we expected. But I'm going to go under. Um, I got him at 14 wins. Or Can I take the, can I take the split here? Because I want the split. You want to push? Uh, yeah, I'm going to push Kevin Lankinen. Um, I'm going to try to push him out of that starting role because he has just proved me wrong week after week. Um, and I, I don't like that. I don't like being proved wrong. But um, the push is exactly 15 wins. That would mean he would need 11 more. 
um, this season, and that is if he can keep that starting spot. Um, the starting spot in Chicago, I'm worried, could be a revolving door, um, just whoever's hot at the time. But right now, clearly, Lankinen's the hot one. Um, there's absolutely no way he keeps that 928 save percentage. That would be better than anything we've seen um, in the last four years. Uh, and there's no way he keeps the 232 goals against average on a team um, that is built like the Chicago Blackhawks without their captain, Jonathan Taze around. So um, for me, Langan, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, the B of the D. Um, I'm going to push 15 wins. 15 wins for Kevin. I think that it's. An, I'm going to go over just for the sole fact. Uh, D, you kind of alluded to. It, he's probably going to start 75 percent of the games. Like he, they, they really seem like they're going to ride this guy. Like uh, you know, as their workhorse, and uh, even if he ends up going like 15 and 25, <laughs> it, you know, still going to get over 15 wins. Um, all things considered, the Blackhawks haven't been quite as bad as, as you know we expected them to be uh, as anybody really expected them to be, you know, they're in the bottom. I think they're in the bottom 10 in terms of expected goals for um, bottom 10 in the, ex- in terms of expected goals against. Um, so like, obviously they're not great, but this is a team that a lot of people were kind of expecting to be, um, you know, in the basement of everything. So currently, uh, you know, ninth lowest expected goals for percentage. So, they're not great at 5v5, uh, but, you know, Patrick Kane's still pretty good. And some of these young guys have, have stepped up, and they've, they've looked a lot better than uh, I think a lot of people were expecting when they lost Kirby Doc and, and Jonathan Tate. So I'm going to say over. It's probably going to be, you know, 16 and 24, but whatever. Um, that's a quick over or quick over for me. So Push. Uh, <laughs> D, we'll go back to you here now to kick off uh, a quick waiver wire segment for us. Uh, we've got a you know a handful of players under thirty percent owned that we currently, uh, or right around thirty percent owned uh, that we currently believe should be uh, you know rostered in, in many more leagues. So D, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, um, real quickly. I mean, I don't. I know we don't like to, to bang the same drum um, too often, but uh, Florida won their top line for me. Still, just not getting uh, enough love. So I just quickly want to point that out. Uh, Verhege. Uh, 24% and declared just above that at 25%. I think people may be um, overlooking or not realizing the fact that the Panthers have uh, still only played seven games. So right, both of these guys still right around uh, a point per game pace. I don't want to talk about them really too much because, yeah, we talked about them last week, why we um, like them both so much. And, uh, yeah, definitely hasn't changed, um, and neither has their ownership rate. So if uh, if you're looking for help on the wing, uh, definitely Verhege and Duclair, two quality options. Um Otherwise, um, one guy that uh, kind of stood out to me just curling through the wire um, this week uh, was Alex Kalorn on the Lightning. Uh, to me, just really similar to Andre Pilat. Um, not necessarily an outstanding player or a play driver in themselves, but a solid complementary player um, that's getting all the right minutes in Tampa Bay. Uh, and Pilat, well over 50% owned while Kalorn, um, dual wing eligibility, yet still just uh, owned in 31% of leagues. Um, he's playing a ton of minutes, uh, over 19 minutes a night. He's got two goals, four assists uh, in the eight games, uh, shooting two and a half times a night. So not bad at all. Um, certainly a maintainable um, shooting percentage. So, uh, yeah, and uh, not quite getting the top line minutes in Tampa. Um, playing on the second line with Sorelli uh, and Tyler Johnson, but is playing the net front presence on that top power play, um, much as uh, what we've seen from him or over the last few years. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, just going to be a, a solid um, 
a solid, uh, I guess, addition over the course of the season. Um, he'll have his, you know, his up, ups and downs for sure. Like I said, he's not an outstanding player, but he's getting a ton of minutes and all the right situations for a really good team. Uh, and he offers dual wing eligibility. So uh, Kalorn for me, 31% owned, definitely worth a look on top of uh, the two Florida wingers. Yeah, um, I went a little bit higher with mine this week. I uh, love both of those, but well, all three of those, I guess, will go. Um, but I went a little bit higher. Um, it's just someone who no one's really needs to be talking about, and uh, who's only 33% owned in all Yahoo leagues. It's Christian Dvorak out in Arizona. Guy currently has six goals, five assists in 10 games. And for those of you counting at home, that's over a point per game. Um, He's on an absolute tear right now while playing nearly 20 plus minutes every other night. Um, well, sorry, every single night. Um, but he, he's topped 20 every other the last uh, five games. He has five goals um, and an assist in his last three, including a seven shot night at St. Louis. The, the thing that uh, that I really love about what's happening lately with Dvorak is they're doing this against higher level teams. Uh, he's not he's not putting up uh, he's not putting up these points against, you know, the uh, I'm not looking at their schedule right now, but the Ottawa's of the division. Um, again, seven shots against St. Louis to go along with two goals the other night. His issue in previous seasons, uh, he's never gotten above 40 points, but his issue was he only had one and a half shots per game average in all three of those seasons. Now he's up to 24 shots in 10 games. That's almost two and a half per game, uh, about a 2.2 rate there. And uh, he's, so, you know, that shooting percentage has, or that shot volume has obviously helped to his overall production. Christian Dvorak, um, power play one, line two out in Arizona. Definitely someone who I'm keeping an eye on, someone who I picked up in two leagues. And uh, yeah, center left wing eligibility. Yeah, we, we've seen uh, kind of a lot better play out of Arizona than we were probably uh, expecting coming into the season. Uh, I mean, we talked about Schmaltz and Garland last week. Dvorak really seems to be uh, stepping up. The one thing that concerns me a little bit about Dvorak is he seems to be kind of just playing above his head right now uh, in terms of like the actual uh, offense that they're generating at 5v5. It's not great, uh, but it's still it's still not bad. And he definitely, uh, we're, we're the pickup right now to kind of ride the, the hot hand. Um, I think the one um, really interesting thing about uh, D, you said um, – Kalorn, like that, that team is still just kind of figuring, figuring out life without uh, Nikita Kucherov too. And For so sure. far so good. And, um, you know, Stamkos has looked really great since coming back, which is uh, huge, but they're just going to keep getting better with, with each passing game. Uh, and they still get, uh, you know, we talk about the North division a lot, but that division is another one where, you know, you, you do get to play against the Detroit Red Wings uh, a lot. You get to play against the Chicago Blackhawks a lot. So getting as much exposure to that, lightning team as you can it's definitely beneficial um but going back to the north division i think somebody like tim stutzel uh is worth a waiver wire pickup uh, he's only 24 percent owned right now uh still kind of just trying to find his way in the nhl um he's got goals in three straight games uh had a three-point night against montreal last night Obviously, Stitzel is shooting 40% right now, which is just astronomical. You would love to see his shot volume increase, uh, but he is still just, you know, a rookie. He's only 19 years old, um, and I think we're going to continue to see his role grow uh, as the season progresses. We're going to see him kind of just uh, develop a little bit more as the season moves on, and he's going to get more and more comfortable at this level. Uh, if you watch the World Juniors, you know that this is a really, really high-end talent, uh, so you know, the fact that obviously we're not expecting him to shoot 40% uh, moving forward, but I think that this is somebody that you should pick up now because if you don't, it's going to eventually be too late. 
Um, and, you know, the immediate returns might not be there, but I think this is more of a long-term uh, pickup. And, you know, in a couple weeks where he's really, you know, after he's had a month and a half in the NHL, uh, we could really start to see him uh, produce points at, at a much better clip. But uh, even still right now, six points in his first career, uh, first eight career games. So uh, a lot to like about a kid with a ton of talent and getting some power play usage. And as I mentioned, the Senators are, are much better at 5v5 uh, than people are really giving them credit for. Uh, and then I also like Mikel Granlin quite a bit. Uh, he's currently on a line with um, Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. Uh, basically tied at the hip with Matt Duchesne last year. Uh, their numbers were pretty good. Uh, with Philip Forsberg on that line last night, Philip Forsberg had like five points, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so they were just outstanding. He's only 13% yeah. owned. Gives you dual wing eligibility. He's got three goals, three assists, and six points in his first seven games since uh, you know returning from... I think he was just quarantining at the start of the season. Uh, but really no like huge red flags in his underlying numbers. Obviously, an 11% on a shooting percentage is a little bit high, uh, but it's only been seven games. Like, you know, Eventually, that stuff will kind of uh, figure itself out. But this is a guy Playing a ton. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's playing over 21 minutes a night right now. Uh, he's had uh, you know two seasons over 67 points, uh, three seasons over 54 points. So definitely a guy with a lot of talent. And if he ends up playing a full season with Matt Duchesne, uh, and Philip Forsberg, there's a lot to like about uh, that line. Their underlying numbers are absolutely outstanding. So Granlin at just 13% owned offers a ton of value. And Tim Stutzel, I think, is, is somebody that's just worth adding now in the hopes that he continues to to progress. So um, yeah. unless you guys have anything else to add. Um, I just have a watch list. Yeah, I was just going to say, sorry, Stutzel's a watch list for me in redraft leagues. Uh, definitely a must-own and keeper. Uh, I want to see that ice time go up more than anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, anyone who watched the road juniors, like you said, Brock watched the kid carry, you know, 11 other German players on his back. Um, he's a fantastic talent. I, I think he's going to be an unbelievable player. I'm not quite convinced it's going to happen in this league to the point where he's worth owning in 12 man standard redraft leagues. Uh, keeper leagues an absolute must own though. Yeah. Love the stencil pick. He's actually looked just ridiculous. Uh, the last couple of nights, the best player on the ice for Ottawa, in my opinion, um, as far as forwards go, but um, really deep league pickup for me. It's Martin Nekis out in, or Nekis. I don't know how to say it out, out in Carolina. Brock, Some people say Nate Chess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Brock, Brock a we couple years ago. Dropped this guy as the best player not in the NHL. Um, I think that was two years ago. And uh, he's finally really coming into his own this year. He's, he had a good shout. Yeah, great, great. I remember that one. I was like, oh, damn, Brock's on prospects. But, yeah, current, he played over 20-plus minutes in his last two games. He's on power play, two, and he's currently playing on a pretty decent uh, line, two with Vincent Trocek, who's just shooting a shit ton. Um, at 22 years old, this guy put up 16, 16 goals and 20 assists last year um, in 64 games. So he could easily had a 2020 uh, season if he had a full year. Uh, I like this guy if you're in deep leagues and keep an eye on him. Um, if you're in keeper leagues, for sure, someone who uh, at just 22 again could uh, could be could be good, good for the long term, and on a very good team, and they seem to be comfortable keeping him in the top six there. Honestly, um, while we're talking about it, I think all three of those players on that line are really worth uh, taking a look at right now. I think Trocek. I think, I think Trocek. Right now. Trocek's. Uh, you know, he's Tony one of those neither writer. Yeah, it is. It's Nita Ryder. Uh, <laughs> I love how we have to backdoor our way into recommending Nita Ryder now. <laughs> oh, it's unfortunate. But no, like that line's been absolutely ridiculous. Uh, one of the best lines in hockey in the early uh, portion of the season. Uh, expected goals 2.86 per 60, averaging 36 scoring chances for per 60 uh, through the first month of the season. They've been kind of the only consistent 
uh, line for the, the the Hurricanes through the early portion of the season. So uh, obviously they really like Rod Brindamore really likes what he's got in, in those three thus far. Uh, so you know Natchez is Natchez is definitely uh, terrific. Uh, there's nothing more fun than watching Natchez break into the uh, offensive zone on like a on their PP two. Like they just drop the puck back to him at like the goal line, and he's a one man break in like or like like his own entry. He's just he's terrific. So uh, I love him. I just love that whole line. Obviously, I love Nino Niederreiter, but Vincent Trocheck really seems to also be kind of figuring it out, coming back into the player that we saw a few years ago before he broke his leg. So playing uh, a lot more too, which he was always in Florida. Yeah, a lot more ice time. And I think that line has just been terrific. And I, I think that it's really worth taking a look at all three of them. Uh, I wanted to talk about NetChess, but I, I think that literally, I I don't know if you guys have Yahoo open right now. I think Trocek's is getting up there in ownership. He's around 50%, I think. So not available in a ton of leagues, but I know Niederreiter's down real low and NetChess is only like 8%. So Trocek's uh, uh, 44. So actually yeah, 44, still yeah. widely available. Uh, Natchez nice. Yeah. is at eight and Nino, I think is around 20. Let me 20. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Uh, he doesn't want to come up. The only guy in the world named Nino. Yeah. So he's around 20. uh, That whole line's been really good, and obviously getting exposure to the Carolina Hurricanes, I just said that only Lightning is going to be good because they play the Red Wings and they play the the Blackhawks a bunch, and uh, so I think that owning you know anybody in in Carolina is is tough. To, you know, outside of Teravine and Svechnikov and Aho and Hamilton, they're they're pretty widely available. So I really like that line. If they can figure it out, man, if that if that's a dangerous line, then you got Jordan Stall in the third line. Like that team is going to be unbelievable this year. Yeah. Uh, I think the one thing that's also worth mentioning, I don't know what his ownership percentage is at, but James Reimer is definitely worth a look uh, as well because it looks like Peter Mrazek, he underwent surgery on his hand. Uh, he's going to be out fairly long-term. So James Reimer uh, definitely is a goalie that's been, you know, probably climbing up. I think, do you have his ownership? 55%. It's jumped up 44% within the last hour. That is, I think it's a couple of days. So yeah. So um, if he's still available in your league, definitely a guy uh, playing behind one of the best teams in hockey, not a great showing in Chicago last night, but definitely a guy uh, worth picking up as well. Just a team that's really good. And a, and a goaltender that's, you know, he he's played fairly well in Carolina in a couple of years. So um, if you need help in goal, especially if you're a Mirazic owner, if he's not already picked up in your league, 45% available. So uh, take a look at that. But uh, you guys have anything else to add before we, uh, Hit the road. I'm good. Oh, new Much Blue Stones to track today. Um, yeah. As of today, new Blue Stones track on uh, Spotify's new music daily. I do not have the title right now, but uh, but yeah, check that out um, to show the boys some love. Love it. But uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed season six, episode 10 of the Daily Face Off podcast. As always, it's presented to you by our friends at Oddshark. My name is Roxy, and we had Dylan D. Berth here, Michael Hughes, Bonnie. Thanks a lot, boys. Nice chat with you as always. And we will see you guys back here for another installment next week. Let's have a little bit less PPDs next week.
we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.